Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, delighted to be joined by fellow Mies man, now a native leash man, Michael Dever, the founder at Happy Teams. Michael, you're very welcome to the show. Cheers, Reen. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Chuffed to have you on, man. Um, let's rewind the clock to all those years to back to young Michael. Um, you grew up in Betty's Town mm. in County Meath. What was life like growing up there? Any fond memories? Oh, loads. Absolute load. Bonfire season. Topical. It's nearly Halloween. Bonfire yep. season going out collecting the wars that would come in bonfire season. And uh, funny anecdote, I got hit by a telegraph pole, half a telegraph pole. Uh, we were using it for, I don't know where we got it. We <clears throat> were using it as a centre pole for a bonfire. It was the bonfire to end all bonfires. And uh, we managed to get it up, right? There was about eight of us holding it. Eight of us kids, we were about seven or eight or something. And uh, we are like, right, three, the inevitable point came where we had to let go. We were like, three, two, one, we'll run. Three, two, one. Everyone ran that way, and I ran that way. Oh. I got firmly planted into the ground and got a couple of days in lures out of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, still a good memory. Still a good memory. Great crack. I listened to a guy, a former Google ex-employee, Mo Gareth. Uh, he's on the Stephen Bartlett podcast, The Diary of a CEO. The reason why I'm referencing this is because he did a podcast all about happiness. If anyone is to ever listen to any recommendation of any book, podcast, video, anything in the whole world that I recommend, it would be to listen to that podcast Stephen Bartlett did with Mo Gareth. It is the most powerful podcast on happiness and why happiness is a choice. Uh, I don't ever share podcasts with my dad or my girlfriend. They just, I just keep work life and personal mm. life separate i've shared this with them and they both listen to it and they both listen to it numerous times and says they've never found something as powerful it's only out about a week definitely worth listening to it. but the reason oh, i say this is because yeah do man the reason why i say this is because at one point in the podcast he talks about happiness and how it's a choice and etc 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 and he says at one point in the podcast if i he's done the study with thousands of people the thing is if i could erase the worst memory in your mind but as a result of erasing that memory, everything that stemmed from it, any connection you made, any extra event that happened as a result of it would also be erased. Would you erase the worst memory in your mind? And 99 out of 100 people always say no. And these are victims of like, you know, bad abuse and mm. seeing potential parents, like their parents die in front of them. And they all say no because of the things that have happened as a result. So if you look at the worst event that's happened in your life, there's usually some, and I don't want to sound arrogant, but there's usually as a result, some people that come into your life are posit- net positives that you can kind of hmm. like attach to when, when you think of it that way. And I was referencing that because of the example that you gave of a fond memory, but also probably quite painful at the time. Uh, I don't I don't remember any pain, but to be honest, I don't remember anything from when that pole hit me to about three days after. So, wow. I do know I got lost an awful lot of times in the hospital and they had to go out looking for me a fair bit. So, but yeah, life is linear. Um, 
that sounds like very kind of like, I don't know, abstract or just a very narrow view of life. But life is like a series of steps, I think. Yeah. If you take one step out, what comes after is different. So I think uh, <clears throat> I think you're a sum of everything that happened to you. So if you get rid of a significant part of it, if something is significant for you, enough for you to go, I want to get rid of that. Uh, would probably have a very large impact on your life afterwards. So there are definitely things that would be worth getting rid of, all right, for sure. But I think if you're happy with where you are now, everything yeah. past got you here. Uh, I, exactly. I can think. I can think of an event that I wasn't particularly happy with in my past, but as a result of that, when I left that, I got introduced to a, a new scenario. And as a, as a result of that new scenario, I met my girlfriend. So. Mm. Would I go back and raise that event? Because if I raise that event, then I don't have my girlfriend. Mm. Yeah, we're going deep here on the start of this podcast. Oh. I haven't gone this deep before. <laughs> Hashtag deep, like Bo Burnham says. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I, I think, like I said, you're a sum of everything up to now. So, and then again, you don't know where you're going in the future, right? Hopefully, it's somewhere great. So, uh. if you take out that big part, maybe you don't get that greatness. So, impact and influence, Michael. Impact and influence. What I mean by what what I mean by that though, to tee up the question, is people can usually point to a number of people in their life that had a positive impact. So, for example, for you, positive impact on young Michael, teacher, close friend, relative, anyone spring to mind? Uh, yeah, there was one teacher in the Marys in Drada. I was not the best of students. I was an awful master and did academic academically before college wasn't great. Um, so. I struggled with exams an awful lot. This is probably a topic you could do a whole podcast on, the Irish exam system. But, um, yeah, I did very well in English in my junior cert. And I stress so much about it not being good at exams and things like that. Um, I got a very good mark. I can't remember what the mark was, but what yeah. I said afterwards stood out was I saw my English teacher and I said, oh, thanks so much for getting that for me. I wouldn't have got just, you know, like genuinely believed it was her that got it and not me. And it wasn't a, again to hark back to the sum, it wasn't the sum of her input and my work that got me there. And she just said, Michael, that's all you. You don't need to thank me. And it didn't kind of stick out to me then, but it jumped me later in life because it was just such a moment of empathy. Like I just had no love for education and no value in the work I'd done. And she obviously just saw that and was just like, it's all you. You own it, pretty much. Um, and that kind of one taught me empathy for work other people do, uh, valuing what they do and expressing it, and then to also be proud of the things I've done in life as well. They're not mm -hmm. proud of everything you did, but the things you did that are good, definitely own them, be proud of them, wear them, really. Yeah, but and that woman was uh, Miss Clark, Caroline Clark. Well, shout out to Caroline Clark. I, what I what I've done with this before because people have shouted out the likes of give you one example. Someone shouted out Brezzy and the positive impact he yeah. had on their life and like their business wouldn't be where it was. I've taken those clips and I've sent them to them. And all of the people I've sent the clips to, university lectures in UL. Hmm. Part of I can't remember her name, Wendy Oki, I think it is. To Charlie Butler from. Uh, bounce insights I sent it to Brezzy Brezzy tweeted back at him 
Um, so I probably will pull that clip and if, if I can find her, I'll send it to her as well because I know yeah. that she, she'd love to hear that. Yeah, I, I reached out for a few years later. Well, actually very later on, like probably 10. When I finished my PhD, I reached out for her and I was like, look, I wouldn't have got this far without you. Like, it didn't hit me until later, like a long time after you said it, but it was probably one of the most valuable things I heard. Yeah. And then other influences, obviously the father, such a kind man. Once I recognised that, as a skill to have. Honestly, that's a skill that has to be built into you, but I think to get there, you have to work at it. Um, but the relationship that gives you with people afterwards is just phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, those are probably the two standout ones for me. You mentioned uh, finishing your PhD. I know you did computer science and you went in to do a PhD. Yeah. Where did the love and interest in computers stem from? Um, we had a family friend when I was younger and he was into programming, like just as a hobby or whatever. And I think he was over in the house once and he showed me how to make just something that took two numbers and added them together. And again, I must have been about eight or nine or something like that. And to be honest, didn't even thought, oh, that's cool. Uh, didn't do anything with it after that. Then came to see old time. Like I said, I wasn't great yeah. academically in school. And I was like, I like computers. Just through everything computers on the CAO. And once I got to college, that was it. Absolutely at home in programming tech. Everything to do with it. Uh, loved it. Talked to it like a fish to water, really. Um, so, yeah, got lucky there. That I could have picked something else that would not have suited me. Um, but... Yeah, looked out in the end. Got exactly enough points to get into the course, uh, the computer course in DCU, only because points went down that year. So the Leaving Cert isn't everything, um, but it is a gateway to get into college. But there are other ways as well, like PLCs and things like that, going in as a mature student. And I'm sure I would have done that if I didn't get the points I needed. I, I, I think the highest nowadays is 625. I could be mistaken, but there's a couple of people that my sister, my sister's name is Aideen, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll reference her from Aideen Colleges instead of calling her her, but Aideen was saying to me that there was people out there that have achieved and put hours every day into study throughout the, like, fifth year and sixth year, took it dead serious, unlike myself, and mm-hmm. achieved 625, and uh, there's courses that, you need 65 to get into. And because the demand is so high, even at achieving 65, they still can't get into the course. So imagine achieving the highest grade you could possibly achieve and then being told you can't actually do that course. Yeah. It's, I think, we're probably getting off the topic of the podcast here. But yeah, no, we'll I, I'll have us wait to wean us back in a minute. I think it is, uh, it's, a, it's an awful stressful gate to put on people so young when your life is so, say, malleable. You don't know what you want to do, like pick something at 16, it's going to be different at 17, it's going to be different at 18. You have all this stress to get into a course. And whether you excel at that course or not is not related on a thing that has caused you so much stress. It's how you apply yourself afterwards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Happy Teams. Tell me about it. What is it? Um, <clears throat> Happy Teams is, in one sentence, the tool to measure... Uh, your employees' engagement in your company in a very simple and intuitive way with minimal interruption but high output in terms of data and analytics. 
um, particularly relevant now with all of the hybrid uh, work at home in office and return to work is a very stressful time for everyone. Um, but work life in general is very, very stressful anyway. So it's not just a tool for now. Um, it's a tool for forever, hopefully, yeah. for a lot of companies. So I'd like to dive deep into a couple of things here because this mm. this topic fascinates me. I went on your website, very well put together, by the way, man. It um, is a great show. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I guess the best way to tee this up is I'm a big believer in tying corporate goals to personal goals. So mm-hmm. take the position of like a leader or a manager who's in charge of a team. I think one of the things they should do that is proven to help people uh, hit their target is or certainly improve or if they're on a PIP to get them off that is to tie their personal goals to the corporate goals. What I mean by that is if you were to go in as a manager and say, Michael, if you hit your target, uh, as a result of hitting your target, you'll get 50,000 euro compensation. Hmm. That's what it's called. Um, so, you know, you should work hard to hit your target. But if you were to start a conversation with you and I was to say, Hey, Michael, uh, outside of work, when you're logged off work, what is it that you're interested in? You know, mm. and you, you kind of build a relationship with a person. You find out that Michael loves Formula One, addicted mm. to Formula One. And you say, okay. And you figure out that, you know, flying out to Abu Dhabi to, to experience Formula One out there is his dream and kind of like meeting one of the people. And, uh, or he could be in the cars and, you know, getting the specific cars, his, his goal if you were to say, hey, Michael, if you work really hard, you'll be able to get the money that can buy you that car or can get you to afford you the trip to do the top world-class trip out to that destination to see those, you know, drivers that you're dreaming about seeing and then work with them and potentially create a vision board where they put it on their vision board. And then that's just the basics of tying corporate to personal goals. Mm. And I'm and referencing this because a happy employee is far less likely to leave a company than an unhappy employee. Mm. But the question I have is it sounds like the, I'm going to call it a software that you guys have built. Yeah. It gives the ability to identify trends, which then the leader or manager can deal with. And as a result, increase bottom line revenue or company growth. Yeah, so there's there's quite a few things there, right? So basically, basically, it's probably easier to explain if I start from how how it works and Please. then how we go into after that, right? So basically, what we do is so I know you mentioned the website there and how well put together it is. Again, like life, it's a sum of parts. That's everyone in the company working together to get, say, the text right the messaging right to tell you exactly what we want to do with you. Uh, we want to help really is all we want to do is help employee, help employees and leaders manage their work life better. Right. So what we do is we've sent you, we've a team of psychologists and they've defined the question like um, organizations, psychology drive questions. We send them to you. They're all designed to be like glanceable. Like we want the whole interaction to be just, couple of seconds max you see a question it they're designed to generate an emotion and then underneath the question you see four four emojis you click the emoji that you identify with we turn that into data we give you analytics we give you dashboards so you can see trends over time of engagement we have calendaring so you know like say you're a tech company 
and you have release week, you can mark that on the calendar and you can see if it dips or peaks or whatever during release week. Usually in a tech company, it's a dip around crunch time and a peak afterwards. But um, and then what we do is we have these like positive behavioral changes that we can suggest to you. We call them nudges. And you'll get them same mechanism, be it Slack, Teams, or email. It's a little bit of text, perhaps a link to an article like on Harvard Business Review or any of the other sites. It could be YouTube, it could be TED Talk. Um, it's all about driving change around that behavior. We don't just target those to managers. We give them to the employees as well, because if you want your work life to be better, you have to work at it as well. It's not fair to put all of that on the manager, but leadership is responsible for a huge amount in the company as well. And what it all comes down to, like everything in life, I'm convinced, is communication. So in a workplace, you might not know how to say, like, oh, no one listens to me or... When I go home in the evening, customers are ringing me at 11 o'clock at night and I can't disconnect. Um, you might not know how to say that you might have an angry manager, you might have someone who doesn't outwardly appear to, to care. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, you want, you don't know if I say to you, like, say, no, again, no one's listening to me. You don't know if that's going to be fed up the chain in the company. Or if that manager is just going to go, that's a negative about me, I'm going to keep that to myself. When really it's a company-wide thing. If loads of people are saying no one's listening to me, that's a big problem with your company. Whereas if it's just one manager, that manager needs to improve. Or perhaps the people under them need to improve how they communicate. Again, it's the sum of parts. So we drive change from both sides on that. And that's, that's pretty much a very high level how the product works. There's a lot of science underneath of Norbit psychology and things like that. But um, it's all designed to be super, super simple. It's all designed to be minimum interaction. People can opt out of questions if they want. Um, you can change the period to get questions at. You can give different people access. And one thing we do as well is we group. We don't group in terms of, say, teams or projects or clients. As you might classically think of, an or, of, say, an organization, right? You work for a client, you have teams that work on projects and deliver output. We use the concept of like tags, essentially analogous to a hashtag, really, although we don't use the hash sign. Um, it's just groups of people, it can be anything. Whatever way makes sense for you to group people in your organization or in your team to see that data. It's all about relevance, right? We can't say a project is the best way for you to see this data. But you as an organization can go, I want to see this project, or I want to see people who work in this client, or I want to see people in this country or in this town, or all the usual demographics. As a topic, this is an incredibly important topic to get right in your company if you want to improve retention oh yeah yeah so happy employees have so many positives right so like you've increased quality you've increased you've increased customer satisfaction increased revenue less breakages less defects you've got less churn right so like an employee leaving is 
uh, I think it's about five times more expensive than hiring once. So like a bad hire. Yes, it is five times more five times the cost of an annual salary. Yeah, a bad hire. And it and it, it it even has more effect than that because someone who's unhappy in the workplace, toxicity is is contagious in a workplace. If a couple of people are negative, it has a tendency to spread. Likewise, conversely, if you have a toxic environment in your workplace, that leads to toxic attitudes and that spreads again. People leave, people aren't happy. It can be for loads and loads of reasons. So one of the interesting things is if you look at, say, an older generation, they had two primary goals in the workplace, title, salary, right? Very, very simple to keep people happy within those um, two metrics. But nowadays, the younger generations, like our generation and below, it's probably more, it's more like a relationship, right? There's, lo- there's lots of needs that have to be met. And salary is quite low and title is quite low. Like, say there's an ethics of a company. Do I align with leadership? Do I know what my job is? Do I know how it contributes? Is it a positive? Is it a negative? Uh, am I valued? Are my skills used to the best of their ability? Um, can I disconnect? There's a huge amount of needs now that need to be met. And if you're not meeting on those, people are going to leave. Um, some of them have less of an impact on people leaving, and some of them are, are more important. But the interesting thing, people, the interesting thing we find when we talk to people and we mention this is that sad. People don't understand the salary is quite low, even though for them it's the same. Yeah. You have just have like this classic model of work environment. I want money, I want title. Everyone's fallen into that trap and have, say has left a company or not been happy in your company. But when you drill down into it, if you're if you reflect on it, it's actually not just that. Like say, say you're very, very highly skilled, you feel your skills aren't being used. Uh you might feel like you're not getting paid enough for your full skill set, even though you're not using your whole skill set. Um, and that, again, doesn't come down to money. It comes down to are my skills being used? And then all of these, again, <clears throat> excuse me, at the very root, come back to communication. If I don't know how to say to someone, like, I can do so much more, or please put me on this project, or being vocal about what you what you can do what you want to do and what you want out of a business is hard because again there's a classic model of i'm just an employee and that's not the case it is it's a relationship um on paper yes it's the case but the reality is i'm giving up half my half my week to work for you i want to work on good things i want to enjoy what i'm doing i want to be compensated and when i leave work i want to not have to deal with work. Um, yeah, no, it's very, we could talk for hours, talk for hours about this. And I, I'd love to hop on again and have uh, a deeper Part two, absolutely. Any area of it. Um, yeah, I have, I have, have another question though before, before I let you go. Um, yeah. I'm fascinated on your site. You've got a, you've got a resource section and you've got a blog and you, yeah. you, your site was what introduced me to organizational citizenship behavior an important ingredient as i was just referencing to retention can Mm. you tell the listeners 
what that is. So basically, sorry, which do you want me to talk about? Organizational citizenship behavior. Yeah, so like that's basically, let's, let's talk in general terms about it, right? Yeah. Um, basically, that is a sense of belonging to a company and that is a feeling that the company belongs to you as well. So one, your needs are being met. Two, you're delivering, you're providing value, right? These are all very, very important things to us. Um, that the company is looking out for you. So in that sense, it's aligned with your needs. And um, that again, coming back to it, aligns with say your ethics, your your morals, what you want, you want to contribute and positive to the world. Um, say you don't want to work for something that's evil. Um and all of this, like you said, drives retention. Mm-hmm. If you lose someone, the cost of rehiring and retraining is, like, like we said, it's 5x, but it can be more. It can be less, but it can be uh, an awful lot more. And it's not just retraining. So you might have someone in an organization, say, who has all this knowledge about other parts of the organization, but they're working on very, one very narrow thing at the moment. If that person leaves, they take all that knowledge with them, right? They're not part of your company anymore. So you've lost more than just, say, the money you have to pay to rehire someone. You've lost a lot of organizational knowledge that can be shared across your organization. If someone is a good leader, the impact of that is far further reaching than just purely money and knowledge. Someone is a good leader. It's a direct impact on anyone who's under them. Or working alongside them and um, their outputs will suffer as well they may become unhappy then they leave and it's just you want to keep people as happy as they can be in their workplace and as fulfilled is probably the better word people want you want to keep people as fulfilled as possible in their work you want to give them what they need and not overburden them like i can give you an example of where our tool worked Please. exceptionally well for this we have this customer in Asia, right? And they're this big multinational. And one of the managers in there, there was a woman on his team. He knew she wasn't happy and couldn't figure out why. Had conversations with her. Couldn't, in those conversations, couldn't figure it out. And really all he wanted was just for her to be happy. Never mind at the workplace, just, just be happy. So... She was getting the happy teams question every day and she went to him after a couple of weeks and she said, you know, these questions that are coming in, I spend an off. So they're designed, right, to be quick. Like I said, two seconds, you're done. How much day? This woman sat there and thought about them and she went to him and she said, you know what? I'm actually not happy here at all. And what he said to us was, that was amazing because one, if she's not happy, as a person, I want her to be happy. And then as a manager, as well if she's not happy it's not a net positive output right yeah. to bring it down to numbers right it's not a net positive output and if i invest more in that person they're still not going to be happy and they're still going to leave and i'm down there's two wins there one she's now happy somewhere else he keeps in touch with her and she's delighted where she is now and two he has someone now who's super happy in the workplace right that's amazing that we can, for like, so we're a remote company, right? We're yeah, all over the is. world building happy teams. But say from here in Ireland, right, where we had the questions, 
they go out to Asia. Some woman who's not happy in her job but doesn't know it takes those questions, reads them, responds to them, so gives the data back, but then thinks about them and goes, Do you know what? This isn't for me. That's an amazing change to have on someone. And then for the manager as well to go, delighted she's moved on. And now I have someone else who does that job and, and they love, they love what they do every day and they're happy to come in and they know they're happy. Um, amazing impact to have on people. And then that goes on with, you know, like we've had, we have companies with us who have gone through mergers and things like that. And, you know, yourself at post-merger is like tumultuous. Mm. Um, and th they've been able to show the areas where that, say, negativity or unhappiness comes from post-merger. Because, like, we'll show you exactly what people say. Like, we'll show you the questions. So say, again, is my opinion valued? Say that's highly negative. We put that front and center. People don't feel their opinion is valued. So now you know, and you will get that nudge, that positive behavioral change around that to help you make people feel their opinion is more is valued. I know you've got a head somewhere straight after this, so I'm conscious no, of no time. Worries. So I've got one more question, but yeah. with that, from your website, I, I pulled this on organizational citizenship behavior. Hmm. Uh, it is dealing with the actions and behaviors that are not required by workers, not critical to the job, but benefit to the team and encourage even greater organizational hmm. functioning and efficiency. For the listeners, the uh, what I want to say is that, as Michael has referred to, there's various ways, I'm looking at my screen here, Michael, by the way, there's various ways the employees can show organizational citizenship, five different ways. Number one, altruism, the type of organizational citizenship behavior is when a person decides to help someone else without expecting anything in return. Number two, courtesy. This is when a worker is considerate or polite to those they work with. Number three, sportsmanship. This could be exemplified by a worker refraining from complaining or gossiping about a re-injected project proposal. Number four, when employee, uh, sorry, uh, conscientiousness, when an employee goes above and beyond, the quality of conscientiousness is likely at work. And number five, the final one, civic virtue, which is this is when a worker represents the company they are associated with in a positive light. If anyone would like more information on that, not only will I put the links to Michael's LinkedIn and his website, Happy Teams, but I'll also specifically link that article on Happy Teams resource section as well. Well worth checking out. Awesome. The final question I do have for you, Michael, is uh, you studied computers. Mm. You've built this fascinating software out and you're helping people all across the world. That must put a smile on your face. But oh, what's yeah. one tool that you cannot live without? Tool is the wrong word. Okay. But with people can't live without people um, people who inspire people who give feedback people who criticize again criticize is feedback um, and people to be honest thing you can't live without is having someone who you can go I did this today but let's just take an example I had this conversation and I don't know if it was the right thing to do. What do you think? And they will go completely honestly because they care about you and what you're doing. And they'll go yes or no. And they'll tell you why. And then moving on from that, learning from that, that's the most important tool, communication. I mean, I should have said communication. <laughs> communication is the most important tool as well. 
I like your answer and it's an answer that I haven't heard before usually people pick something like a CRM software mm. uh, like an email scraper um, mm. LinkedIn sales navigator something that helps them in their job a slack a slack yeah. as a tool but um, I know we're up in time I, I do want to thank you I, I thank all my guests that come on this because they take time out of the day to, to one talk with me on this podcast but mm. two as a net result, they, they they get something out of it as well. Um, but and there's only been two podcasts in this is episode 139, 140. There's only been two podcasts that have never released because I just didn't think they were of value to the community. They have their own separate reasons why they're way to release. But as thanking everyone, it doesn't mean that I enjoy each podcast to the same level. There's some that I enjoy more than others. This podcast is in the top category of podcasts that I actually genuinely enjoy having a conversation with someone. I do want to thank all my guests, but this one, I, I've really enjoyed this. I'd love to have you on for a part two, because I know we only scratched the surface on, 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 on all things, happy teams and everything you're doing, because I could talk work life balance, deep diver into organizational citizenship behavior, employee engagement. I could ask you, you know, culture, that's a buzzword. What does that mean to you? Cause it's a buzzword thrown around. There's so much we can go into. So, when you're back from out west, let's schedule a date in a diary to get a second part two in. Definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for today. And, uh, awesome. Yeah, I've really, really enjoyed this as well. I love just conversations. I love not, say, having a super strict format or anything. Like I love starting with conversations, seeing where it goes, and hopefully you end up with some good output uh, at the end. I, I, I really, really enjoyed this. If your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna show you. Beautiful morning, get a sun in my morning, baby.